I just confessed right there to her. I said, you know, because I, I thought we were dying. I thought we were done. I said to her, you know, I really, I really, I've tried a few times and you didn't know about it, but I really, really do want to marry you someday. And I just wanted you to know that. From Wyoming Public Media, this is Human Nature, real stories where humans and our habitat meet. I'm Caroline Ballard. This time, we'll hear about a man who just wanted to have a fun trip with his girlfriend, but Mother Nature had other plans. Before we get into our story, a note about how human nature is made. We're a public radio production, which means that we can't make the show without listener donations. So we're asking you to support the podcast. You can do that by giving whatever you can afford. Just click donate at our website, humannaturepodcast.org. We'll send you a sticker with our logo when you do. And if you can give $25, we'll send you a t-shirt. Thanks for helping make the show. In 2008, Marty Edwards and his girlfriend Becca decided to celebrate her college graduation by taking a huge road trip in their Honda Accord, across the country, starting from their home in North Carolina. They spent all year planning it, and core to their plans was their GPS. We were guided by our great, wonderful friend Harriet, which is a a GPS. Why'd you name her Harriet? Harriet felt right, (laughs) and so we just went with Harriet. She sounded like a Harriet, and it was just kind of comical. The trip was going well. On a beautiful June day, Marty and Becca drove from Seattle to Mount Rainier, and we see all these interesting places along the way. We see there's like this hotel. It's like a, an old train that's been converted into a little motel. Like we see little shops here and there. The one thing that was a little disheartening were these signs along the side of the road, the drive-in, that said <laughs> evacuation route and things like this. And we're like, why, why, are we, why would we need to evacuate? <laughs> this is a national park. It should be safe, right? But we make our way up the mountain and we find a campsite and the trees were enormous, you know. I felt like a hobbit. I felt like I was like this little elf or something hanging out in this huge, beautiful wooded area with ferns all over. One of the signs at the campsite we noticed that was very troubling as well. It was a sign that said, if you hear the sound of a roaring locomotive, the sound that is similar to a roaring locomotive, head to high ground immediately. So there's another one of those signs that makes you feel like, hmm, should I be doing this? We set our tent up, and it's later in the evening, but it's not dark yet. And we're hungry. We decide uh, we'll explore tomorrow. We'll just kind of take it easy and hang out. We're vegetarians. We made a, a bean and rice thing over the campfire and made some coffee snuggled up in the tent, and we started reading a book. And then all of a sudden, lightning. Pow, pow, everywhere. And it just kept coming, and it kept getting more and more extreme. Every few seconds, there was like a bigger flash, a louder boom. It was just like you couldn't get away from it. You couldn't escape it. You know, it got so loud, though, that we could barely hear each other. And then here comes the hail. All of a sudden, the sky opens up, and they're hitting our tent. We're afraid it's going to tear the tent. 
at this point, the lightning was so consistent, it was as if you were walking out in daylight. You didn't need a flashlight at that point. I could read by the lightning. We jumped in the car. We decided that was the next best option because at least it has a solid top. We're trying to talk to each other. It's pouring rain at that point and hail, and it's constantly lit up with the thunder and lightning. And we're screaming in the car. It's just so loud. I'm pointing to the road and she's like shaking her head agreeing yeah maybe we should just drive off the mountain so that's what we did we left everything there the tent and everything and we decided we'd go down and grab one of those hotels maybe we'd stay in that really cool train hotel or something and that would be a fun experience you know so we head down the mountain and we're seeing the craziest things we're seeing limbs flying by i mean the wind is ferocious there's just stuff everywhere hitting the car <laughs> and we're wondering if we've bitten off more than we can chew, but we decide, well, you know, if we get off the mountain, maybe it'll calm down a little. Suddenly, you know, when you drink coffee, coffee has this known side effect. <laughs> and my stomach, oh my gosh, my stomach was upside down. Like it just suddenly hit me. I didn't know if I was gonna make it <laughs> to the next destination. You know, the world is coming to an end outside and inside for me. I luckily find this little country backwoods grocery store. It's something you see in Andy Griffith or something, you know, but way out in nowhere. And I walk around, there's this huge line at the counter, and I don't want to be that rude person that just kind of butts in, so I walk around the store and I'm looking, where's the public restroom, where's the public restroom? Nowhere! And I waited in this line. People are chatty, and they're kind of taking their time. There's no rush. It's a storm. Why do I want to go out in the storm? It makes sense that they wouldn't be in a hurry. But me, however, I'm dying. And then I talk to this person at the counter, and I ask her, do you have a restroom here? Where is your restroom? <laughs> and she's like, oh, uh, we don't have a public restroom. And she's like, but there is one down the road, a little ways on the right, there's a bar. And that's where we go if we have to go to the restroom. I was like, oh my gosh. I get in the car very gingerly, like, I, I just ease myself slowly, very carefully. I'm taking deep breaths. I'm getting chills all over my body. I'm sweating. It is awful. And I shut the door and I just say, we've got to go. We've got to go. I said, there's, there's a place down the road, she says, and I can, I can deal with this. We head down the road and I am crawling at this point. I'm not trying to drive quickly because I'm afraid if I hit a bump the wrong way, gravity will do things. I get to this bar and it was a very old little shanty and they had a funny sign out. It said beer and ice cream. It seems like that's what they sold. I rush in the door and the lady inside, I ask her, where is your restroom? I was told you have a restroom and she points and you know, I was so desperate at this point. It did not matter. The place she pointed at was this door and this door <laughs> had a huge hole, right? I mean, you could crawl through the hole. It was so big and you could see the toilet through the hole <laughs> facing the audience of the bar and, and it was not clean. It was like, oh my gosh, it was just so awful. Anyway, so I'm desperate and I can't say no. My girlfriend at the time, she saw the restroom to the left of it, which was the females. And fortunately, that one was a solid door. 
But as she tells it, the interior wasn't much better. So she goes to her side and I run in my side. The seat, I mean, it was covered in stuff. I had to go. I had to do it. I just planted and did what you do, right? And then, <laughs> of all things and of all times, the power goes out. The power goes out and there are no lights. I am in this very questionable room where I don't really want to touch anything to begin with. And I can't see anything. And Becca, she yells, are you okay? <laughs> you know, and I, I just hear the desperation in her voice too. She's in there. She can't see either. I was feeling around touching God knows what. And, it, and it's later, by the way, at this point, it's, it's probably... 10 or 11 o'clock. We decide, okay, let's just get in the car. It's a little crazy. We're just going to get a hotel and that's it. We head down the road and we remembered that train hotel. We were like, okay, there was that train hotel. Let's go there. That'll be kind of fun. And you know, we'll eat real not campfire cooked food in the morning. It'll be kind of cool. And we can tell people we stayed in a train. Mind you, this is very far from our campsite at this point. It was quite a drive to get to the hotel. We get there and there's no power anywhere. It was completely black. So whatever we could see on the way in, we couldn't really see and make out on the way out. But we did find the hotel. It was, it was really apparent. And we saw the sign. It said vacancy. So we were like, yeah, all right. And so we pull in. And the folks at the hotel were out front kind of just watching the events of the night. We say to them, hey, can we get a room? He says to us, no, I can't do that. We're like, what? What do you mean? It says vacancy. And he's like, I know, but we're not allowed to give you a room unless our computers are working. I didn't say this, but I was thinking, man, it's simple math. You know, just tell me the price. And I said to him, well, what if you give us a room and we pay for it in the morning when the power is back? And he's like, no, we can't. Uh, the facilities aren't. They're considered not safe if there's no power. And we're like, oh my gosh, are you serious? Okay. Uh, and then we asked him, well, where's the next hotel where there's power? And he points in a direction. And so we head in that direction. He said it's something like 50 miles away. But 50 miles, you know, what's that? We've been driving across the country. 50 miles is not much. So we jump in the car. It's very late and we head towards this hotel. We have to come to a sudden stop at one point on the way because there was a wolf of all things in the road. And I slam my brakes and we slide. And I'm like, Becca, did you see that? Holy cow. She's like, yeah, what was that? Was it a dog? We're in the middle of nowhere, you know? There's no way this is a dog. And it was big and it looked like a wolf. We looked around and we didn't see it anymore. Like maybe it ran off. And then Becca screams at the top of her lungs. And I look over to her and the wolf is looking at her through the window, looking right in at her. Like they could have touched noses. <laughs> and she screamed so loud. And then it was incredibly disoriented, I think, from the storm. Because there, there was debris on the road and stuff all over. And it walked around to the other side of the car and peeked in the window just like it did on her side. I wasn't that afraid because I was inside the car, but it was still very strange, you know? 
it was like Murphy's Law, you know, if it's going to go wrong, <laughs> that thing, you know. And so we ease out of that area and drive on, the wolf behind us. We make it to this hotel in some very small town outside of Mount Rainier. And they have power. That was the exciting thing. They had power there. I was like, yes. And it's like a regular chain hotel of some kind. I can't remember which one. But I go to the, the counter and ask them if I could get a room. You know, I tell them, you know, I'm a college student. We're on this crazy adventure as far from home as we're going to be on this adventure. Can we get the cheapest room you've got? They said that all of our cheapest rooms are unavailable. I have to take this really expensive room that's like way more than I want to spend, like three times the amount I want to spend. And, you know, I'm thinking about we've got to get all the way back to North Carolina. So I decided, well, to heck with this. I'm, we're going to go back to our tent. And then we start heading up the mountain, Mount Rainier, and the power's still off everywhere. We're, we're committed to getting to the tent. We've been driving for hours at this point. We've been away from our tent for hours. It's late. We're exhausted. We see a man lying on the road, the side of the road, motionless. He looked like he wasn't alive. We saw a light way up on the side of the mountain in the trees. We were totally confused at first. I jumped out to help this man. He was talking, but he couldn't move. He couldn't move at all. And he went over the mountain through the storm and he hit the top of that, the bank where we were, and he lost control of his, his motorcycle. And the bike landed up in the trees. It went one way and then he went the other way and landed right there at the road. And he was just lying there, motionless, but he could talk. We were like, oh my gosh, we have to help this man. We did have cell phones and we called 911. They sent an, an ambulance and we had some emergency supplies with us. We didn't know what to do exactly, but we had a, he said it was cold. So we, we had an emergency blanket we pulled out and put on him and stuff. And then, then we sat there, we chatted for like 40 minutes because the closest paramedics were miles and miles away. They were so far away because we're in the middle of nowhere. But they finally did make it, and I'm like, okay, is there is there anything that we can do other than this? And they're like, no, no, just just go on. We get in the car and we head up the mountain and we make it all the way back to our campsite. Ah, oh, this is wonderful. Now we're gonna finally go to bed, you know. And we get out of the car, we walk up to the tent, and we pull back the door and it's a pool. It's totally flooded. We got as much of the water out as we could. Sleeping bags were soaked and it was kind of miserable, cold and wet. But we, we got into the tent, we snuggled up. We're, we were just lying there, kind of in shock really of all the things that had transpired up to that point. And I remember earlier I, I mentioned that sign that we saw that said, if you heard the sound of a roaring locomotive, well, <laughs> it's not, it shouldn't be a shock at this point, but that's what we heard <laughs> lying there on the ground. We heard this rushing sound. It sounded like you could feel it in the ground. The ground was shaking from it. 
the sign said, head to high ground immediately. Well, I didn't think when I read that sign that I'd actually be hearing that. And I also didn't think to figure out where high ground would be. Everything seemed like high ground on a mountain to me. And so I had no idea where to even go at this point. I thought something terrible is going to happen and we're going to die. And so we're stuck. I didn't even know if we could get out of here. And it just got louder and more ferocious. And I said to Becca, because up to this point, I had tried several times to propose to her because I'd been with her for seven years. We were about to finish college. I was ready to pop the question and I really loved her. I really wanted to marry her. And and I, I just confessed right there to her. I said, you know, because I, I thought we were dying. I thought we were done. I said to her, you know, I really, I really, I've tried a few times and you didn't know about it, but I really, really do want to marry you someday. And I just wanted you to know that. I think she felt like it was, like it was a sweet thing. I just laid next to her thinking about you know, the inevitable, this is over, we are over. And I'm, I'm gonna be lucky if she stays with me after this, dragging her into this experience anyway. We lie there through the night, listening to this horrific sound. Eventually, I think we were just so exhausted, eventually we did fall asleep. We woke up the next morning, it was magical. It was like a mist all around, you know, misty forest, these huge pine trees. It was just beautiful. And the temperature was perfect. It was like 70 degrees. It was just amazing. Next to the tent, we see one of the trees, I think it was about 10 feet from our tent, is burning. The top of the tree is smoldering. There's smoke coming off of it. And all I can figure is that one of those huge blasts of lightning the night before hit the tree because it was, there was fire in the top of the tree and it was smoldering. We're thinking, did that happen when we were here? We're trying to figure out, was it after we left? Who knows? But the tree is smoldering. Marty and Becca explored the area around the campsite. And 20 feet away from the tent through the forest, they found a tree graveyard. There were fresh trees torn from their roots, laid flat on the ground. A flash flood, the source of the locomotive sound, had narrowly missed their tent. We decided we were done with Mount Rainier, and we looked up Mount St. Helens. We thought, this one's blown up. <laughs> this one's safe, I guess. We'll go there instead and, and hang out there for the day and camp there. There's certainly places there to eat. We pack up our stuff. And we're just thankful to be alive. And we decide it's going to be an amazing day. Let's go get some breakfast. Let's go see Mount St. Helens, this historic volcano. Coming up, Harriet, the GPS, makes a critical error on Mount St. Helens. You're listening to Human Nature. We're pausing to ask you to support Human Nature with a donation. Maybe this show helps you feel more connected to nature or other people. Maybe it's encouraged you to go on an adventure of your own. Whatever human nature means to you, we can't keep making the show without listener support. When you give at humannaturepodcast.org, we'll send you a sticker. 
And if you can give $25 or more, we'll also send you our Heather Blue t-shirt with the Human Nature logo on the back. Get yours at humannaturepodcast.org. You're listening to Human Nature. We left Marty and Becca ready to head to Mount St. Helens. They typed Mount St. Helens into Harriet, the GPS. She says, we're in luck. It's only like five miles away. We're like, what? How is that possible? But we're like totally convinced she's right. You know, for some reason, we just really had faith in her. This technological device. We hop in the car and we head in the direction that she's telling us to go. And we decide before we get to Mount St. Helens, we'll hit a restaurant. We see a few deer along the way, a few baby deer, you know, little fawns. And it was really sweet. We did pass a little town, but we didn't see anything from where we were. And we decided, well, she's saying that Mount St. Helens is still, it's just this little ways away. So we'll just go there and I'm sure there's a town or, or there's at least something, a visitor center, something. And so we're heading towards Mount St. Helens and we're really excited, you know, we're alive, you know, why not be excited? And so we're driving that way and we see people, we're feeling like, yeah, there's life. Is it sun outside? You know, it's going to be wonderful. Harriet starts telling us all these very specific turns to make and directions. And Harriet says, okay, turn in this way. And so we turn this way. And then she says, turn that way. And we turn that way. And then the road goes from asphalt to gravel. And we're not worried about it because we've been on many gravel <laughs> roads at that point. And she's not steered us in too terrible of an area. We're heading down the gravel road we cross a bridge and we see people fishing over the bridge and we're like oh yeah there's people here so this is safe people go here but i want i I can't believe that you know this national park still uses gravel roads to get to it but and then harriet continues to say your destination is around the bend we keep taking her advice around every curve and then she says the next curve i keep saying to becca "We're, we're so close she must have taken us like a a back wave, and that's why it was so close. But that means we're gonna get there sooner, or we're gonna eat soon, and it's great. And and by the way, we only had a quarter of a tank of gas in this morning <laughs> when we were driving up, and we were gonna get gas at the landmark as well because certainly they had gas stations too. We uh, keep heading in the direction that Harriet keeps leading us. I, I remember the one turn that was probably the biggest mistake. It was a turn to the right. I can still see it in my mind. It really narrowed out quite a bit. It was like a driveway. You know, it was one car wide. I turned off right, and I'm heading into these very thick woods. And the terrain is going up and down, and it's winding side to side. You know, it's very curvy. And she keeps telling us it's just ahead. And, well, the situation at this point is I have turned down this road. I have no cell phone signal. Neither of us do. No one knows we're here. I'm at the mercy of her directions at this point. I feel like that at least. And I can't turn the car around. But surely there's a place that's going to open up and we'll be there soon. She keeps telling us we're going to be there soon. We keep heading down this path. It became really a path. It wasn't a road at a point. We start to notice like boulders in the middle of this area I'm supposed to drive. And we're like driving over these embedded boulders and stuff at points and trees growing up right in the center, you know, and we're having to like maneuver our way very carefully around these things and trying not to get stuck in our little Honda Accord. And we see a sign that says no ATVs beyond this point. And I was thinking, 
well, this car is not an ATV. It's not an all-terrain vehicle. It's a, it's a car. So I guess that I can keep going. We carry on. We drive along. And there was this bridge. It looked ancient. It was made of wood. And there was a waterfall flowing right through the thing, part of it. There were holes through the bridge. And at this point, I couldn't turn the car around, but I could get out. And I climbed out of the car carefully. And I walked over to inspect the bridge to see if it was safe. And I felt like, man, this thing probably hasn't been ridden on since like horse and buggy days or something, you know. But Harriet was telling us, your destination is that way. And I'm like, man, it's here. Certainly this thing's will hold up. I can't turn around. What do I do? I talk with Becca and she decides with me that, yeah, we could probably, if we went really fast over it, we'd probably clear it. And the destination, of course, is just around the way. So we're almost there. We get back in the car and I just gun it. And I fly over this bridge and I'm hitting these holes like bump, 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 bump. And I'm just thinking, I'm going to hit this thing just the right way and it's going to fall apart in the middle. But we got over the bridge and I was so thankful. Like, we're almost there. Yes, yes, yes. And Becca, her face was just pale, you know, after going across that. That was not her idea of fun. Me neither, but she was, I could tell that she was pretty, pretty much done. And she was thinking of the gas situation too. She's like, what are we going to do? We continue to make our way. And Harriet, she keeps leading us along and she keeps saying, your destination is up ahead. Your destination is up ahead around the next bend. We knew we must be in the right place because we found ourselves, the car, literally on the side of this mountain. And the road was narrow, so narrow, that if Becca were to open the door on her side, she was on the cliff side, you could see down. And there was water down there and rocks and we're way up high, way up high. You can just look straight down. You cannot step out of the car on that side. It is a straight drop off. And on my side, there's this rock wall. I can't open my door because the mountain is in the way. So Becca's got a cliff and I've got the mountain. So we're stuck in the car unless we climb out the sunroof, which we were contemplating. And we're starving too at this point because we... We're planning to have breakfast. We are hours into this adventure at this point. It's taken us so long to get to this spot. It's so treacherous, and we had to be so careful over most of the terrain. And we see that it widens a little bit ahead, and so we continue on up this very, very, very questionable path along the side of the, of the cliff. And we finally get up to the part where it, it looks like it curves around, and it almost felt like we were at a point where the whole mountain turns, like it was like a big shift. The rock, it looked like a, a quarry explosion. Uh, it wasn't gravel anymore. It was like just boulders and all kinds of rock, big rocks, you know. And we're driving over this, and Harriet thinks this is a road. I mean, this is not a road. This is, this looks like where the volcano blew out. And we can't turn around. And behind us, there's this huge cliff that drops off if we slide off that cliff, we are done. We just knew we were going to be that exploding car hitting the bottom. We're driving up this thing, and suddenly the car is just not going anymore. It's not, it's not going anywhere. It's 
little Honda Accord and your four-cylinder engine is done. It cannot handle <laughs> this incline any longer. We were so steep. And the, I mean, the front of the car was pointing up to the sky, it felt like. We were sitting there, looking up, and oh my gosh, the worst that you can possibly ever imagine begins to happen. Becca's praying. She thinks we're done. Once again, we're dead. Once again. Those boulders and the rock beneath us starts to move. It starts tumbling. They start rolling by us and falling down the mountain. And the car is moving on top of them like we're a boat on water. And so we're drifting. The wheels are turning a little bit, but I'm not getting anywhere. And the rocks are just, just keep on coming. The car is sliding back towards this huge drop-off, this huge cliff. And there are boulders flying by. And so we're like, oh my gosh, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? We were about to jump out the doors and just like run and hope we don't get hit by a giant boulder. And then we came to a stop. And the car miraculously was facing the opposite direction that we just came from. And we were like, this is like a sign from God. We're no longer gonna go to Mount St. Helens. We're done with Mount Rainier. I think we're done with Washington. I really think Washington's beautiful. And I'm gonna go back, but this is not our time to be here. And our gas is still somehow miraculously at a quarter of tanks. And so we're facing the other direction. Suddenly we have oxygen again, you know, we can breathe and our hearts are pounding and we're like, okay, let's go. And we head back the same way we came along this crazy treacherous path and drive along that huge cliff again, where now I was on the side looking down and we had to go over that stinking bridge again. Marty and Becca finally made it back down the mountain and they finally stopped at a restaurant in a small town near the border of Washington and Oregon. It was like the classic 50s diner, you know, it had that silver bullet kind of look to it. We went inside and we were the only people there. Uh, and there was an Asian couple that owned the restaurant. And I didn't think they spoke English. The guy for sure did, but the lady, I don't think she did. She was the waitress and he was the cook. We sat down, we looked at the menu and she walks up to us, like totally dressed in like a 50s getup. And she cocks her hip to one side and she's like chewing her gum, smacking. And she just holds her little pad and stares at us with her head cocked to the side, waiting for us to give her the order, <laughs> what we wanted. But she said nothing, ever. She just stared at us. We placed our order. She takes it back to her husband. And then a local guy walks in and sits down. He says, you know what? I have had the worst day of my life. This has been the absolute worst day of my life. And Becca and I look at each other and we're like, Man, you don't even know the half of it. <laughs> he proceeds to talk to the guy cooking the food, and he starts to tell about his day, how his day un was unfolding. And he says, this morning I got up and uh, I had to go to the doctor. And on the way to the doctor's office, I got a speeding ticket. We're like, that's not so bad. But then he says, and then when I get to the doctor, the doctor tells me I've got this rare incurable disease. And... There's nothing you can do about it. I've got to learn to live with this thing. Then the guy behind the counter is like, he says, well, and, by, and everything he said, every single thing he ever said to this guy always began with the phrase, well, and by the way, 
And so he was, well, and by the way, have you ever heard of Murphy's Law? The guy was like, if something can go wrong, it will go wrong. And he's like, and by the way, you are correct. (laughs) You know, then he goes on to tell about how he was in a car accident on the way from his doctor to his workplace. And then he's just happy to be there and he's getting some dinner and talk to his buddy. It was this conversation about Murphy's Law, how if something is going to go wrong, it will go wrong. And we were just over there thinking, I'm going to tell someone this story and they're not going to believe me. This is, can't be real. We have stumbled into another dimension <laughs> for two days. Our storyteller was Marty Edwards. I did propose to her that December, actually. I gave up on the the whole idea of making it this big event and just did something very... I cooked her dinner, and on Christmas Eve, I proposed to her. And, and now we've been married for seven, seven years. Oh, no, eight years. Oh, man. You got to edit that. <laughs> and we have a three-year-old son, and life is amazing. Have you been back to Washington since? I'm going to make it. I've got a three-year-old now, and he's got to see these where these adventures of ours were born. And so it's a good excuse to kind of take off and hit those spots again. And I'm looking forward to it. Now, when they go on road trips, Marty and his wife, Becca, use an atlas. I'm Caroline Ballard. The show is produced by Aaron Jones, Anna Rader, and Micah Schweitzer. Our theme song is by Caught a Ghost. Human Nature is a production of Wyoming Public Media. It's human nature.